Welcome to another episode of Look Into It Tonight. It's all martial arts. Uh, not just jujitsu. We're talking about everything. Kung Fu, Wing Chun, Death Touch, all that shit. Um, this guy is uh, doing great things on the internet. He's got a Instagram um, at McDojo Life at mcdojo life is his name i call him rob mcdojo and this is one of his uh best clips check this out this is master sasaki japan's kiai knockout champion when he lets rip with his vocal cords you're going down the body is approximately 70 percent water Expression of Kiai causes ripples in this water. And it's what steals your opponent's energy. It's an instantaneous release of great power. The man who taught this skill to Master Sasaki was able to kill small birds with his Kiai. And perhaps with those birds on his conscience, Master Sasaki restricts himself to two Kiai strikes on any one person at any one time. The risk of internal injury is just too great. That is fucking amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rob McDojo. What's up, Rob? Living the dream, brother. How are you? <laughs> you know, life is great. Life really is great, man. Um, I used to think uh, life, you know, uh, was on pause and, and sucked with all the scamdemic and all that shit. But now I realize we needed to go through that shit. We needed a uh, a shake up. We needed um, People uh, needed a great awakening. We needed this shit. If I if if, if I, it was my choice, I went back in a time machine and I said, "Let's do this again." I go. I would say, "Let's do it again." We might need another couple lockdowns, you know, to keep waking people up. Um, so life is good. Life is really good. I you know, um, I appreciate all the good things that are, that have come from the scam demic, you know. And speaking of scam demics and scams. Explain to my uh, audience a little bit about your mission um, with McDojo Life on Instagram. For sure, man. Well, the the ultimate tagline, the 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 what do you call it? The mission statement is to keep martial arts legit, and I do so by calling out fake frauds, phonies, con men, and pedophiles in the martial arts industry. Unfortunately, there's a ton of them. Fortunately for us, they post that stuff online, and it's kind of hilarious when it's not the pedophilia thing. Yeah. Now, um, in your opinion, how how is like that video you just showed? Like, like it seemed like uh, it was on some legit TV program that was covering it. Like, how does it get that far? That's a solid question, man. I think that anybody can convince people of just about anything if you're a smooth enough talker. You know, you were just talked about like the the scamdemic thing. You know, you can convince people of all kinds of things if you just are sweet talking them in the way they like to hear, you know, like think about how many people buy Jordans and they can't afford their electric bill. 
You know, think about how many people will go to a, a mechanic, for instance. You go to a mechanic and then you listen to the mechanic because he's supposed to be the guy who knows what he's doing, right? And he could be robbing you blind and you would never know because you're not a mechanic. And so a lot of people who go to martial arts schools for the first time, martial arts is very convoluted. You know, I mean, just think about it. There's Sifu, there's sensei, there's professor, there's coach, you know, there's senpai. Depending on where you are in the world, your name might be or there's guru. Your name might be different for literally the exact same job. So if you've never done martial arts before and you walk into a martial arts studio, all you know is two questions. What have you done and how much does it cost? That's it. And so you'll listen to them. And if the cost matches what you think is worth their resume, then you'll pay. And they could be lying to you and rip you off right in front of your face. And you'd never know it because you don't know anything about martial arts until you do. And then you look back and go, I can't believe I got scammed by that guy. You know, sad. Now, let's you got a couple other videos. Let, oh, let's see. Let's see your best shit. I want to see the best right. shit. So uh, you want a little pre-frame before we dive into them just so you know who these people are? Because they're really yeah, take your time. Right. Just, let, let's, so, let's the one it. I'm about to show you is a guy named Ashita Kim. So Ashita Kim belongs to something called the Black Dragon Fighting Society. Now, if you have heard that before, basically it's like Frank Dukes, Ashita Kim, and all kinds of people who are really bad martial artists or just frauds all got together and kind of got together and created like the Black Dragon Fighting Society with another, or there was a guy before them called Count Dante who really seemed to have got the ball rolling with it. But so wait a minute, so a bunch of frauds got together and formed a, a Black Dragon Society? It's kind of like the, the, the Black Dragon Fighting Society already existed and they were like, well, we'll just belong to this. And then they all just kind of gathered to the same spot. <laughs> it's like yeah. birds together. And so Ashita Kim, what I'm about to show you is called The Dance of Death. And the dance of death is about to show you the most lethal techniques you or I have ever seen in our life. Are you prepared for this? Let's see it. All right. I don't know if you're ready, but um, we're, we're about to, it's going down right now. Here we go. All right. Let's, let me pull that up. Bam. Now this, uh, this guy is in the black dragon society. Yes. This is one okay. of the members of the black dragon fighting society. One of my favorite things about this guy is the fact that he wrote like four or five autobiographies and they're all just basically softcore pornography. Oh, <laughs> <They're> nice. just... <laughs> so this is Ashita Kim and oh my God, this is probably one of my favorite frauds. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness without doubt the most savage and terrifying self-defense form known to man. It's composed of 27 of the deadliest poison hand techniques ever devised each one of which is guaranteed to kill, cripple, or maim any attack. It's not for the squeamish, nor the weak heart. Now you're gonna have to let me know if you've seen any of these before. Like, you teach this? I gotta say deadly no not what do you think dude that guy he must have gotten so much pussy from that video you know what i mean <laughs> well you know, like, people, that don't know, people that don't know shit you know what i mean <laughs> there's a lot of hot girls that would uh, just totally be fooled by that right it looks amazing he looks like he looks like some fucking you know wing chung master 
And I mean, he's clearly chiseled. I mean, he's a Greek god of a man. I mean, what, all 115 pounds of him, you know? <laughs> yeah. You must work out. That's all I'm saying. Like, you, you know, it comes with the, the black dragon powers, I guess. You know? dude, dude is definitely getting laid. <laughs> his books are so funny you can look anybody should look these up online and just you can read some of the excerpts but like he he thinks very highly of himself in the bedroom to say the least oh really oh yeah he, he Dude, for sure just, he's getting laid i mean he's that just guy, bitches left and right like, yeah, girls are probably worshiping him now now how old was that video now that one's a fairly old one for sure that looks um, like it's at least in the 90s maybe yeah 80s? for sure um, I can show you one that's a little like a uh, much newer, like uh, most of the videos that I post, like because I'm able to post every day is because the content never stops. These people continue to post. So I just happen to like that one because that's more of like a legendary figure in the fraudulent martial arts world. Does he have a newer one? That same dude? Um, no, because like now he doesn't really post videos as much anymore, but he is out of Florida. And I like we're filming a documentary about frauds in the industry. And we're definitely working on like that interview. Um, it's going to be a good one. I'm sure <laughs> you got to fool him into an interview. You got to trick him. I mean, not really. All I have to do is tell him the truth. Just, you know, truthfully, like I just say, Hey man, we're doing a documentary about different martial arts styles. We find yours very interesting and we love to film and hear more about it. Yeah. You got to trick him. That's all true. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, this one's a guy named Wagner bull. All right, so I'll pull this one up for you. But while we're waiting, there we go. So Wagner Bull is legitimately in Brazil, and he believe he's an Aikido instructor. He's supposed to be a very high level Aikido instructor, but he's doing the magic no touch nonsense as well. So I really want to know your opinions on these things, man. You got to let me know what you think about this. Particular. Oh, dude, so far these guys are hilarious. <laughs> here's the, here's first, a, the first guy that first guy with the with the voice oh man that's the best one so far you ever like taught key eyes in your in your classes key eyes are good though key eyes are good to uh, train your breathing because your breathing is very important so when you key eye you have to blow out so mm -hmm. when you key eye when you punch that ensures that you're blowing out your because if you're if you're holding your breath when you punch there's no power there very little power maximum power is when you're breathing out whatever you do swing a bat swing a golf club kick a bag punch a uh, uh, punch a dude in the face you gotta breathe out when you uh, same thing with weightlifting when you're weightlifting you're when you squat you breathe out you know so breathing is very important and the key eye the key eye is to ensure that you could hear that your your breathing is correct for sure and i think they say that it also is like kind of scary to an opponent like out of nowhere you're just like bah! and then they just like crap their pants a little bit yeah that you know that helps too <laughs> hey look it's elvis <laughs> all right here's here's the next one little wagner bull for you um this is only like a month old video by the way so this is not a, a, a old one at all so enjoy <laughs> Get him with the squat. I love this man's athleticism, really. The effort Dude. he's putting in knocking his, his opponent over. <laughs> Dude. Oh, man. The amount of girls that he's fooling. Oh. <laughs> he probably got a harem. You know what I mean? He probably got a harem. 
There's a reason why they're doing that, dog. There's a reason why they're doing that. You can get the bitches. You know, that's like the step one of being a cult leader is how do I get the bitches? And then you figure your cult. Yes. Yes. He's for sure getting uh, innocent, um, naive girls left and right. A hundred percent. I mean, that's huge right there. I mean, isn't that what happened in like Waco, Texas? Was it David Koresh? Is that the the cult leader there? He was like, he convinced everybody that having sex was the worst thing ever. So he was like, I'll take that burden and you just let me sleep with all your ladies okay like it's it's horrible for me i hate this i i hate that they're lining up outside the door you know it's uh, it's rough rough i I gotta look more into that situation i don't know that much about all i know is they blew his compound up and they they lit it on fire and killed um a bunch of people in there it's wild it's wild yeah so i I gotta revisit david koresh and and uh really find out i mean for sure he was crazy oh absolutely but but did he deserve to get blown up like that i don't know i I gotta look into that it seems a little harsh you know yeah yeah maybe arrest the guy put him in jail maybe you know what i mean do you have to fucking kill everybody (laughs) you know what i mean the people that got brainwashed too the people i feel like they skipped a few steps (laughs) you know they're like asked one through five not there's there's something suspicious about that whole thing but um, a tank or two the spray yeah yeah what else you got keep them rolling dude i love it let's keep it going um so let's let's do a little uh a little delman here so george delman uh big fat oh yeah he's huge he's (laughs) is the death touch guy right yeah 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 he's uh he does something called kyushu jitsu right and so he's he's one of those guys that I think at first he probably didn't believe his own hype, but I have so many videos of him saying the stupidest shit that I just can't help it. So like what hypothetically, since you know, Dillman, right before I put this next clip up, like what, what claims do you think Dillman has said that is like the craziest thing he's ever said? He has a death touch. Like he could kill people with, with a touch. Right. Well, like, do you think that's the craziest thing he said though? You know what? I, I I also need to look into him too. I have, all I know is he's the death touch guy. I, I don't know any specifics. I haven't seen a documentary on him or anything. All right. Well, what if I told you he believes that he could bring animals back from the dead? I would believe you. <laughs> well, you're about to hear him say it in his own words right now. Let's go and pull it up. You can hear him. Did I tell that story here before? I had a pet that died and I brought it back. I actually did my revival techniques as you see here, I actually crossed the bottom paws, the legs, crossed, held it, and tapped. I got the heart started, I got the lungs started. I don't care if you believe that no one else, there was no witnesses. There were no witnesses. I was alone. But I actually brought that animal back, but I could not bring the head back. Because I don't know how long, it was dead too long in the head, and it came back and it was suffering. Sounds cruel, but I had to do it as a quick experiment. It was dying anyway. It was dead. I didn't kill the animal. I mean, it was dying, but I brought it back and I did that just to prove, to see my techniques as an experiment. Then I had the animal, uh, I put it in a trash bag, squeezed the air out and suffocated to put it back under to get rid of the animal. But that's what happened. I could not get the head back, but I got the heart and the lungs going using my methods. (laughs) That's awesome. I like how he's like, listen, don't ask me any questions. There was no witnesses. Nobody saw it. So he got tired of getting questioned uh, about that, right? He he cleared that out. Don't ask me. There was nobody there. I have no evidence. Uh, (laughs) He's the king of big fish stories. 
He was like, oh, I yeah. tell you, man, I caught this fish. It was massive. Well, what happened to it? Like, well, it got away. Like, Sam Tripley and I are coming to your town. Catch us on the road doing tinfoil hat comedy. Follow me on Instagram at tinfoil hat comedy night. February 24th, we'll be in Spokane, Washington. February 25th, we'll be in Tacoma, Washington. Go to samtriply.com for more information and to buy your tickets. See you on the road. No one was there, of course, but like I, you know, I had to get in a rear naked joke and I had to ride it into the sea, into the depths of hell. And then like, of course, I lost it. But, you know, it was real. It really happened. And people somehow believe him. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Yeah. So, so not only, so he's claiming not only can he kill you with a, t- with touch, he could also bring you back to life. Yeah, and not just, well, he might not be able to bring all of you back to life. And when he does it, there won't be any witnesses. And he can get your heart your heart and your lungs to start, but he eventually will have to put you in a garbage bag and suffocate you to death because it's cruel to keep you alive with not yeah. your head being alive, I guess. You would think, you would think that if he brought this animal back to life, like he would fucking just go running to someone, like anybody, like, check this out, look, I need you to be a witness, but no, let me fucking put it in a trash bag and fucking he's like, a, he's like a psychopath. With you would keep it alive, dog, and get <laughs> like, some, pull out your phone, a video camera or something. No, let me kill this. it's like he's like not only do i have magical powers but i have these magical powers that you know what i'd rather keep to myself i'll tell you about it after but you know i don't want to be a billionaire because i can bring people back from the dead you know the dude also claims that he can tell the sex of a child while someone's pregnant like he can tell he just knows and so in his own words this is him saying that he knows for a fact what the sex of a child is if he can get his hands on you, right? So here's. I've never proved it, but I could just do it. <laughs> it works 50% of the time. <laughs> He's still alive? Explain this. Uh, he is still alive. Has nothing to do with this young lady. I only met her for the first time. But if a woman is pregnant and the baby is tested with the pulse. He's pregnant right there. On this hand, pregnant and the pulse is. beats stronger than this hand. She will be having a boy. Total recall to pop out. That's how I like the back is. of his gee. www.delman.com. <laughs> I've never seen a gee like that. <laughs> and if you go to delman.com, the, the wildest thing, you know, there's some ladies here in the background too. I don't know if you can see it or not, but once he yeah. makes that, where are they at? There's a lady who just like looks over and she's like, what the fuck is this guy Let's talking about? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's like one of these ladies in the background. The pulse on this hand and the pulse beats stronger than this hand. She will be having a boy. That's how correct that is. <laughs> that lady in the room with yeah, the red they're right there with the red hair. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> this man's a genius. Why have I never thought about this before? Dude, a hundred percent of those people sitting down right there are vaccinated <laughs> yes absolutely and the guy 100 percent. the guy who owns the building you know yes. the landlord yeah. also you know <laughs> all cousins <laughs> oh shit so what's 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 his synopsis what's the how did he this george Dillman? george Dillman, correct yeah for sure break, break his uh life down just a little bit 
So like George Dillman back in the day was like super famous as a legitimate martial artist, as legit as martial artists were. Like, like in the 70s, 80s, yeah, what? 60s, 70s, right? Back in the day. He okay, was competitive. 60s, 70s. Okay. Yeah, he was did he ever did he ever like fight in karate tournaments or anything? He did. He did. He was uh he was known for being the guy who did would go to karate tournaments and do fairly well. He was friends with Muhammad Ali. Um he was such good friends with Muhammad Ali that he actually bought Muhammad Ali's gym. Like after Muhammad Ali sold his original gym, he bought it. Um, Whoa. Yeah, he's a, and he was just somebody who would like, he's one of those dudes. It's definitely like a tall tale kind of guy, even back then. So he would take as many pictures as he could with like celebrities. And then he would claim how cool they were. And like where they were tight, he was like close with Bruce Lee. Like Bruce Lee would randomly call him up in the middle of the night. They just have these long heart to heart conversations that of course no one ever heard. <laughs> so now, like, now, how did he transition into being the death touch guy? How did he go from karate guy to death touch guy? I, I have a theory. So my theory is what I call Steven Seagal syndrome. All right. So like, if you look at Steven Seagal, when he first started, he was like an Aikido guy. That's what he was known for. Right. And then he winds up like teaching some producer or director or something like that. And that guy's like, you'd be great in a movie, which never happens in real life, but it happened to Seagal. Right. Seagal winds up doing like two or three great movies in the eighties. Right. Like everybody loves Seagal in the eighties. And then after that, he starts doing things like, I don't know, like getting accused of molesting women in their trailers and assaulting actors on set. And I think that's because he probably already had an ego. But then as he got famous, he got so famous so fast that he didn't have anybody telling him the word no. And so he just assumed he can just get away with all this crap. And I think Dillman is probably just like that. Dillman probably got like a big head. He was on Black Belt Magazine cover, I think, three times. He was very well known back in the day. I think Dillman just didn't have anybody telling him no. And I think he just started slowly slipping into senility. And then people were like, you know what? We're just going to go with it. Let's see what the old man has to say. And then I think that that started bleeding over into his students. And then his students were like, well, he's making a lot of money saying he can knock people out with his mind. I bet you I could hop in on a seminar, teach something similar. Maybe I can make some money too. And it just kind of seems like that's the progression to me anyway. I'd like to, I'd like to, to see if there's a, clip of his first seminar his first death with like the first time he came out and said yo i could kill motherfuckers by touching them oh god i'd love that i'd love to see like the reaction of the audience imagine you're like there for like a free trial class right yeah. and he's like all right guys i got the answer Demock is real and you just watch blood sport right so you're like it's got to be real this guy's teaching it and then you like see somebody flop around like all right i got a clip for you just for that all right so like okay. let's say all right you you're there you're in the audience and then you see him do a demonstration would this particular demonstration convince you if this like you were like this is the one this is the guy this i think George I Dillman. this is dillman this is dillman so okay. watch the way that his uki reacts when he gets knocked out check it out I think Oscar worthy. Wow. <laughs> Give this man an Oscar. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? You think they're, they're faking it or they're so retarded that they're, they believe it and they're getting knocked out. What do you think it is? I think it depends. I think with 
every one of these different cults, they all call it something different. And it's fascinating because different parts of the world call it something different. Like we already know, like over here, you'll see things like the Holy Spirit, right? Or you'll see like uh, some uh, pastor, you know, televangelist, like wipe his hand and like the whole front row flips back in their chairs, right? And yes. then, then you'll have like overseas, which is really fascinating. It's called Tanaga Dalam. And this is like in Indonesia. And Tanaga Dalam kind of roughly translates to inner power. And I've seen some pretty horrific stuff because of Tanaga Dalam, but they're raised at such a young age to believe that this is real, that I've seen some really horrific things. And like, I don't know if you want to hear about them directly, but they're pretty yeah. bad. Well, like I saw a video someone sent me of an eight-year-old slit his throat and kill himself because he believed he could not be harmed in a practice that they call Debus which is like self-mutilation without harm. So like this kid and like, it's a magic trick for anybody who knows it, right? But the kid was convinced that it was a real power that he had and he couldn't be hurt. So he took the knife like all the other people around him were doing and he just dead. It was the wildest thing I'd ever seen in my life. What country was that? Indonesia. Hmm. And so like, they also have this thing called Ilmu Laduni, which is like similar to like Tanaga Dalam, Usually with Tanaga Dalam, you'll see a lot of like chi, I'll move my hands and the person flies back like 40 feet. Ilmu Laduni is a little different. You'll see people like freeze. And so they're like stuck like statues until they're able to move again. So I'll pull up one of those so that way you can kind of get a, a feel for what Ilmu Laduni really looks like. Okay. Um, but once you see it, you'll be like, oh, I recognize that. <laughs> I've seen that before because that's utterly insane. Uh, but here's a little Ilmu Laduni for you right here. Now, this is actually a little impressive, though. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Belum. Magic. That's like I don't know what's crazier, that dude or or fucking Dillman. Um, <laughs> I think Dillman. I feel bad for the people in Indonesia. There's actually like a big push as of like a couple of years ago from like local MMA fighters and stuff like that. Cause you know, one championship is blowing up and stuff like that. So there are fighters coming out of Indonesia and they get like this actual platform. And like uh, one of the guys name is Rudy something. I can't remember his last name right now. Cause it's like Indonesian, um, but Rudy is like legit. And he's like going around and challenging people who ha have believed they have these powers. And like, there's a really famous YouTuber. Her name is Chentia. And she like was able to lie her way all the way to Hollywood. She actually has a stunt performer credit on Shang-Chi, that Marvel movie. But she just lied. Like people are convinced that she can like break a rock with her mind from like 30 feet away. Like it's wild. It's the craziest thing. But these people. Oh, so there's a there's there's a woman. Usually it just seems like it's only dudes doing it. And you kind of understand. You know what I mean? If they would just like. If they just say, listen, dude, I'm trying to get laid, dog. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, I know, you know, I know this is fake, but, you know, I, I can't get laid. 
you know, I'm that's, job that's I got some magic thing. powers. Yeah, he's it's, like, it's, I get head. It's rough time. out here, guys. It's rough. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey, I'm not discriminating. Maybe she does it for the same reasons. She's just like, I'm just trying to get some dick. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, but. What does she look like? You got a clip of her because I don't have it. It's so so easy for a woman to get dick. I mean, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I guess you. It's too easy. If she was a a woman, could just go to the supermarket, pick out a guy and get laid. (laughs) Doesn't matter what she looks like. Well, do you want to see? I don't have that, but I do have a cult still currently active in the United States. It's actually a very large organization. What, like a cult, uh, like a martial arts cult? Absolutely. They're actually called Vibravision. And so what they did was they took this Tanaga Dalam type thinking and they've convinced people that they could read books blind. They've convinced people that they could drive cars blind. And we're not talking about just like with the face covering. We're talking about they're actually trying to teach legitimate blind people that they could drive cars by just using their sense of like Chi magic Tanaga Dalam powers. And uh, there's a lot of money in that. There's a lot of blind people. (laughs) <laughs> and for them, like, dude, that's like hope for them. You know what I mean? That's Even why we can't so guarantee mad. it. You know what <laughs> I mean? It really comes down to you and how you use your brain. But it's going to cost 25000 <laughs> <laughs> That's the initial upfront fee. Don't worry. It gets a little cheaper as you go on. And the longer you commit, the cheaper it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe we're they get them on auto pay. They're like, you think we do this for money? <laughs> we do this because we want to help you in a way that will help. So us. This is it. Vibravision. Vibravision. So Vibravision, they are still currently active in the United States. Uh, they are running out of a, uh, another martial arts facility, which you'll be able to see their logo here in the background. But it's wild. We can show people how to develop an incredible level of energy and a new sense of sight, even if they're blind. This method was held secret within Indonesia for 400 plus years until 1999, when my brother Mike and I became the first non-Indonesians to ever be allowed to learn this technique. Which is not true. We found one of the largest martial arts and energy work academies in Utah. I participated in this Vibravision class. It was one of the roughest weeks of my life, but man, I got superpowers now. (laughs) I can walk through stuff without hitting it. And it's really fun to know that stuff like this actually exists. All physical matter in the universe is actually a form of energy that's made up of atoms. And those atoms are cycling or vibrating at a certain frequency. Practicing vibravision gives us the ability to access our sensors and to perceive those vibrations. Become superhuman. (laughs) The kid, did you hear what the kid said? The kid literally said, I can walk through walls. holy shit it's like charles like like you said like you said this is very similar to the evangelist that that uh this is basically the same shit it is it's the same bit they just repurposed it and it's a genius thing if you think about it because there is no regulating body to the martial arts industry it doesn't exist anyone can just open a school if you want to and if you're charismatic enough and you can convince people to buy your crap then now not only are they let me rephrase it you're going into martial arts already giving someone attributes that they might not necessarily have because of what the uh, the current pop culture tells you to think. So you're already giving them like honor and integrity and respect. That shit might not be true. They might be an asshole. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I experienced that myself, man. When I first the first martial arts school that I went to, and it was by my work. It was um 
I joined a gym, a regular gym to lift weights, and that lasted literally 10 minutes. I realized, oh my God, this, uh, <laughs> I can't do this. But, um, you know, I'm in Hollywood trying to be a rock star. Didn't want to be a fat rock star. So I decided, you know what? I can't lift weights. I got to find a martial arts school. So I'd always been a big Bruce Lee fan. And, um, the closest martial, martial arts school to my work. And this is when I worked down in the, in the South Bay, um, like in Hawthorne, if anybody's familiar with Southern California, it's, it's kind of sort of by the beach, but that was a place in Redondo beach called, um, the style was called Zendaru. So this guy came up with his own style. He had black belts and everything. Dude. I have everything videos of this. I oh, you know this guy? Videos. I have videos of this. Do you know the guy's have, name? Yes, I do. I have him right here. I can queue it up if you want. Philip Scornia? His, uh, the, the Zendo Roo guy. Hold on. I have his name written down here somewhere. Give me a second. Paul Bowman. He's a Zendo Roo guy. Oh, damn. This is a different guy. Okay. It's, Zen, it's Zendo Roo, but the guy I'm talking about is a Philip Scornia. Um, now, I'm sure he's a badass. I'm sure he can kick ass, you know, but you know, back in the day, everybody, there was, like you said, there was no regulating body. Anybody could say anything, especially in karate. Karate was so big. Kung Fu was so big and vast. You could say you're a black belt from, you know, Tacoma, Nakasaki. You could just make shit up and who's going to check. And um, so it's like the wild west really like in the eighties before the UFC, the UFC started, you know, came out and started checking motherfuckers. And that, that what the UFC put a big dent in, uh, these fraudsters. And, um, so this guy, uh, this was 1992 and I went in and sat down and he said, dude, we're going to make you a beast. Sunday, December 18th from Cancun, Mexico. Witness the first ever Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds Team Duel. Teams chose their five best lightweights to represent them in the premier Combat Jiu-Jitsu Tournament. All looking to win the $50,000 grand prize. Featuring 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu with CJJ Worlds Featherweight Champion Keith Krikorian. EBI CJJ Champion Ben Eddy. And Nathan Orchard. Team Jiu-Jitsu with CJJ World's lightweight champion, Ethan Krellison, Nick Ronan, Kieran Kitchuk, oh, and Damian Anderson. Team Alpha Male with Dustin Akbari, Trent Ebarb, Chad Mendes, and Sonia Dong. Plus, the super fight we've all been waiting for between CJJ World's Bantamweight Champion, Elias Anderson. Elias Anderson! And the UFC legend making his combat jujitsu debut, Uriah Faber. Which team will take home the money and the gold? Don't miss this historical night, Sunday, December 18th, live and exclusive on UFC Fight Pass. He, he he made me get in a horse stance and a forward stance and goes, dude, we're gonna we're gonna make your legs strong. We're gonna turn you into a beast. And it worked for me. And I was into it, man. I, I was a I got to um one stripe, one green stripe on my white belt. <laughs> I uh took one test and I got the green stripe. I lasted like how much that cost between you? Between six months, maybe a year. And um 
Uh, when I saw the UFC, that's when I quit. Uh, but up until then, dude, the dude had a black belt in everything, dude. He had a black belt in anything, karate, Aikido, Taekwondo, Hapkido, any fucking thing you could think of, dude. He had a black belt and everything. And what made him different was, you know, because I was a big Bruce Lee fan, and uh, I was like on the Kung Fu side. And back then it was just like, ooh, karate's linear, and it's Japanese, and Kung Fu is circular, and it's Chinese, you know? So, and Bruce Lee was Chinese, so I was always a big Bruce Lee fan, but there was no Kung Fu schools by my works. So I'm like, you know, it's close enough. You know what I mean? It's, yes, that's it's potato karate, whatever. But he did claim Kung Fu master, Wing Chun master, everything Kung Fu. He was all karate, all Kung Fu. Um, once a year, he said he went to China to some fucking temple. And for like a month, he's out with the Buddhist monks. And he, he told everybody. And um, he did. He was supposed to be gone, man. He, he was supposed to be gone to China on his little monk retreat. And back then for uh, for um, um, I saw his car. I saw his car in the supermarket, like down the street from the school. And he was supposed to be in China. And he had this big ass custom green Cadillac. Hard to miss. So I'm like thinking, is this motherfucker lying? Is he just like just taking a month off? Um, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did go to China or whatever, but I don't know. Maybe he was legit, but the dude had black belts and everything, man. He, and I remember he would, um, he would teach mostly karate, which he called his, the combination of all his styles, put it all together, all those Japanese styles and all those Chinese styles. He put them together and it's Zendaru. That was his shit. He claimed it. So this guy Bowman, I bet he's a disciple of Philip Scornia. I mean, maybe it's or maybe they just both came up with the same name. <laughs> like maybe, they like, maybe they're like um, that would be interesting. Maybe. That would be interesting to see who who was uh, the true master of Zenderu. But when I took the know. test for that green stripe, um, I'll never forget. I got it. I passed the test and he wrote excellent overhand knife strike. So this one, boom, that one right here, boom. I'm like, oh shit. I'm a bad motherfucker. I really felt, I really felt. Were you going to parties and you're like, I got a, I got a wicked overhand strike and you were just Yeah, I really believe, dude, I was a grown man. I was 22 years old and I was thinking, fuck man, I go (laughs) fuck somebody up with this shit. And, um, I was living in this apartment building at this one time and um, I had these, this, this Russian family above me in my apartment complex. And it was a husband and wife and they had a, like a couple of little babies. And the husband was big Russian stocky dude, not too tall, but thick as fuck, thick, strong, probably like five. Like country, eight. like country strong. Like, yeah, looked like, he, looked like he like was building castles and shit. You know what I mean? And strong fucker. And he would always he would always complain. I lived under him, and he would always complain about uh, like the noise I would make. I'd be playing fucking Alice and Chains. Dirt just came out, and I was cranking it. And he would always he would fucking stomp on the floor, which is my <laughs> ceiling, right? Mm. 
And he'd fucking do it. And he, he would talk all sorts of shit. He would knock on my door. because goes, you're to I can't do Russian accents. I suck. But, um, <laughs> he was a problem. This guy was a fucking problem. Now, was he like accosting you? Like he was like threatening you like outside your door? Dude, he was j- jumping up and down on his floor. Fucking make like it sounded like sonic booms. Anytime I would turn on the fucking music. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe he just had a roach problem. <laughs> it was just... No, he 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 uh, knocked on my door a couple times and like told me to turn the fucking music down. And I was like, I was like a little intimidated by him. But I just started doing karate though. I just started doing karate, and I asked, I asked my fucking sensei, dog. I told him the story. I go, dude, I might have to fight this guy. You know, fuck. He's like stomping on the floor. Just, it's crazy. And um, he would stomp on the floor so hard that you, you know those. You know when you have a a light bulb in your ceiling and you have like those big, it's like a like a big glass bowl that covers it. You know, it's like yeah, old it school. just kind of projects the light out. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a like a big bowl, and there's a um, that shit would rock. It would rock back and forth. Damn. He would be stomping this. How big was this guy? Was he like six one, six two? He, no, no, he was like five eight, but about two fifty. Oh, so he, he was. Dude, he looked like he, got, he looked like he moves fucking granite for a living you know what i mean uh and um i was a little intimidated but i was confident because of my karate i'd been doing karate for six months so i asked my sensei what should i do if he fucking gets in my face and you know what he said he didn't recommend the overhand knife strike even though we put that on my shit excellent overhand knife strike i'm like i was thinking i said you think i should hit him with the fucking knife and he said nah man i think you should hit him with a double punch to his ears boom jump up flying double punch to his ears and i said for real he said yeah <laughs> and i'm like damn okay all right i was thinking he was gonna I say mean, for sure overhand knife sorry he I mean, probably this, forgot he wrote that this is you very know? common he advice for- see in almost every ufc fight coaches all the time just say go for the double punch to the ear it, i i think i can't count how many times i've heard that come out i didn't even know that was a move <laughs> but uh, I, I just found out today <laughs> yeah, he recommended it if the guy ever got in my face so one day um um my girlfriend's over and she's sitting on my bedroom floor putting on makeup and we're fucking playing Alice in Chance and this motherfucker starts jumping on the floor my ceiling so hard and I was like fuck that I turned it up dude I was like fuck this dude I was like all karate confident and shit. well now you have the secret technique you were yeah I was like you know what it's it's going down and plus my girlfriend's right there you know what I mean so I I had to make a like right there I had to make a stand so he's i'm turning it up he's fucking pounding harder and harder dude that 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 uh cover that light cover is rocking and then it dude it's all it's like a big glass thing and it fucking fell dude it fell on the floor and shattered luckily my girlfriend wasn't right under she was like off to the side so no one got cut or anything but fuck dude there was glass everywhere and i fucking exploded dude i took all that glass i put it into um a dustpan and I had all this glass broken glass in a dustpan and i fucking went outside went upstairs to the front door pounded on his door bah, bah, bah. he must have heard that shit break because when that shit fell and it broke it was loud he stopped pounding 
So he heard that shit, right? So I go upstairs, dude, I'm pounding on his door and I have this dustpan of glass and I, he wouldn't open the door. He never just silent. So I took the, the dustpan and I threw all the glass on his door, just whoosh on his door and it went all over the place. And then I went downstairs. He never came out. He never said shit. I never had to use the, the whole, the double <laughs> punch. You didn't to have to hit him with the demise. I didn't have to use that. I didn't have to hit him with that. He's yeah. He was lucky. He probably would have killed me. Yeah, probably. As soon as you hopped up with that, he probably would have just. But I never saw the guy. Bear claw of a hand. I never saw him. He, he never complained ever again, you know? So, uh, and there was another time. Now, six months into, into karate. And now I'm in Hollywood, but I, I, I grew up in Orange County and all my friends, most of my friends were in Orange County and um, uh, Alice and Chains, they, come up, they keep coming up. They play uh, uh, UC uh, Brenevent, UC, uh, is it UCI? It's, uh, I think it's called UCI, UC, UCI Brenevent Center. It's down in Orange County. It's at the, it's like a college campus. Yeah. And um Allison Chains played there. So I go down to Orange County and I'm going to go to the concert with my friends I grew up with. I went with like five guys and we're all in a van and we're driving, we're driving to Allison Chains and they hear that I'm doing karate. So they think I'm this fucking Chuck Norris badass already. I hadn't even started jujitsu yet. I'm like six months into karate. And man, dude, Philip Scorney had me feeling confident. That's one thing he did <laughs> is he had me feeling confident because, because, um, if someone told me they were training martial arts six months from my perspective now, I'm like, dude, you're a beginner. You just started, you know, good for you. Keep mm -hmm. it going. You know, you're just a beginner. Yeah. That's six months is nothing. But for, for, for some like normal people who have no perspective on martial arts, six months, like, dude, you've been training for six fucking months. That's a long time. Dog. It has like a that's little six. flavor of dedication. And I'm like, like so I'm in the van. We're, we're right. in a van and all my friends, they can't believe I'm like this karate master now. I have one green stripe on my white belt and they're like, dude, my friends are like, dude, don't fuck me up, dude. Holy shit. You've been training six months. God damn. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I got an overhand knife strike that fucking is insane. Dog. It, gets you, it gets you late, you know? Yeah. So we get to, we get to the show and Allison Chains is killing it. And I go upstairs. You have to go walk up because the floor is like a pit and, uh, I, I went upstairs to go to the bathroom, went by myself, went to go take a leak. And when I walked out of the bathroom, like in the, you know, it's like a, like a regular arena where, you know, the, the concession stands are and snack bar and everything. And then you go into the, the arena and then you go down. Right. So as soon as I walked out of the bathroom, all my friends are rushing to me. They were looking for me. And they go, there you are. I'm like, what happened? He goes, dude, there's some guys down in the pit. They're starting some shit. We came up to look for you. They came to look for me to be the enforcer at the, in the pit. <laughs> well, they knew so, all about the punches so, and the chops. Dude, dude, I'd, I'd like talked so much shit on the way um, to the concert that they were, they were believing me, dude. They were fucking believers. So, dude, I was so confident. They go, I'm like, well, show me where the fuck they're at. So I'm like walking in front of them, walking down the stairs to this concert, looking around, going, where are they? Point to them. I was like, dude, 
Luckily, we didn't find them because, dude, that would have been one of those stories that my friends would have never let me forget. (laughs) (laughs) That would have ended up. So then we woke him up in the car like 30 minutes later. After all that shit, I talked. Thank (laughs) God we didn't find them. We did not find them. That would have been fucking embarrassing. That's a perfect example of why one of the reasons I do what I do is because that false sense of security would have gotten your ass whooped, you know? Yeah, or killed. You know, yeah, I mean, all it takes is like hitting your head on the concrete, especially at like a nightclub. You're dead. That's it. You know, back of your head hits concrete. Game over, son. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And check this story out. There's another story. Now, now, fast forward. Eight years. I'm a purple belt in jujitsu. I'm commentating for King of the Cage. As a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, I was a commentator for King of the Cage, which is, have you ever heard of King of the Cage? Yeah, old school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they yeah. had the, uh, the yellow. I think, it's still, I think it's still around now. It's still, still around. But back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't that many shows. There, it was like in the United States, there was only a couple. And King of the Cage and UFC. UFC, before the Fertitas bought the UFC, people um, forget the timeline. I want that upper body clinch. That's what I'm. I'm going after. With the underhook, looking for double underhooks. Fucking, that's a juicy ass clinch. Perfect double underhooks, you're on your side, boom. That's all perfect. That's huge. And my game, for me, I'm like, I got this motherfucker. First fight in Abu Dhabi 2003 against Gustavo Dantas. I got right in and got double, perfect double underhooks. I'm like, oh my God, had him in a lockdown, perfect double underhook, really quick. He just gave it to me. And I was just sitting there going, Oh my God, he just gave it to him. That was just off the front headlock. 100% push into him. You want to smash him and then jump on that leg. You want to rush him so they don't have a, so they're off balance. You jump on that leg, try to, you hook that leg, you're going to take their back or put them in the truck. Either one. Does that make sense? UFC one, nobody saw it. Everyone thought it was fake. There was no B-roll. Everyone thought, oh, this, no one watched it. But then they found out like, oh shit, it was real. It wasn't fake. People thought it was going to be like WWF. And then UFC two blew up. So mm-hmm. UFC two blew up. UFC three blew up. Four, five, five was um, Royce Gracie versus uh, Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Even six, seven and eight were huge. And then the UFC got canceled. People forget the timeline. UFC got canceled. They got Kanye West. They got canceled. Um, the uh, boxing uh, felt threatened, I guess. And uh, Budweiser um, was a huge boxing sponsor. And Budweiser worked with John McCain, who was, I don't know if he was governor of Arizona or a senator in Arizona. He had something to do with Arizona politically back then. And cable, cable somehow ran through Arizona. I don't know how it works, but John McCain had the power to threaten cable and say, listen, you're not going to be running this human cockfighting UFC thing uh, uh, through Arizona or whatever. So cable pulled it. Cable UFC got canceled. So the only way you could watch UFC back in the late 90s was uh, with satellite, with DirecTV. That's when DirecTV just came out. And at that point, I think DirecTV only had 7 million subscribers, which is nothing, you know, when you think about, you know, there's 300 million people in the United States. Especially compared to what pay-per-view buys are now. I mean, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for a while there, the UFC went underground, man. They were playing small venues and, you know, hole-in-the-wall cities like in fucking Kemper, Louisiana, uh, some small unknown town in in Alabama, Dovin, I I don't know, weird-ass small towns in the South. They mm-hmm. were the only ones that would allow it. it dude, UFC was canceled, dude. It yeah, for under, sure. Most people who were into it, like the early UFCs, like like I said, UFC 2 was big, 3, 4, 5. They didn't even know. You, they thought UFC died. Remember UFC? It was like 1998, 1999, 2000. They're like, remember UFC? Whatever happened to the UFC? It's always crazy. still fighting. Nobody had any idea. It went underground. You had to be hard fucking core uh, to be following the UFC. People just forgot about it. It was a forgotten thing. Like, remember that shit like five years ago? Whatever happened to that? I'm like, it's it never went away. It just keeps rolling, but you don't ever see it because it's only on satellite. And, and um, VHS, you had to go to like the back section of like the shady part of where the, the video store was by the porn and like yeah. the, the documentaries to, totally. to find it. Totally. <laughs> ja- Japan had uh, MMA, they had Shudo, they had um, Pancrase. That was right. always going on. They had that before the UFC. Like the Japan was already doing um, uh, MMA. But yeah. the thing is, like people say, "Oh, Japan invented it." Japan had MMA. Japan, like, dude, Brazil been doing MMA since the fucking twenties and thirties. So relax with that. So, um, uh, but Japan was was you know Maeda. He was uh, traveling all over the world and taking challenge fights. That's the guy who showed. Carlos Gracie, a senior uh, jujitsu. So uh, the Japanese probably were the inventors of mixed martial arts, probably. But Carlos and Helio were doing that shit in Brazil for, for fucking at least since the 20s and 30s. It's been around forever, even before that, even like in, you know, I would imagine like the gladiator times and stuff like that, like those dudes most likely were learning like everything yeah. you possibly could because you had to fight to the death <laughs> so you were probably figuring pulling everything out like what is this i don't know what it's called and they're just killing people with guillotines and like whatever they can get their hands on probably back then yeah yeah so there was a guy who was um he had a karate school and he would um he would do whatever was popular at the time like his karate school he was from oregon yeah his name was ralph he was from oregon and um it's a very uh, traditional name for a sensei like sensei ralph you know yeah, that makes yeah. me think yeah. feel, i feel it you know yeah so he's from oregon and or he lived in oregon um and uh he had a karate school and it was all like ninja when ninja turtles were big they were like oh it's all ninja turtled out and like whatever was big he was he was just the kind of martial arts instructor whatever was big he was on it like if it was american kickboxer he's doing that so then he was doing judo too like oh judo was big i'm he's teaching judo and then when the ufc blew up it's like damn this brazilian jiu-jitsu things you know i gotta jump on that so he he ended up being in the first Abu Dhabi as a judo guy. He went, he competed in the first Abu Dhabi as a judo guy and even competed in the gi. Not many, not very many people in Abu Dhabi have ever competed in a gi. He did. And he got, he, he got choked out really quick. I would imagine. And, <laughs> yeah. So he decided, damn, I got to go balls deep into this jujitsu thing. So he ended up telling, like he was, um, 
like half Italian or something like that. So he ended up, he came up with a fucking story, man. He came up, uh, oh no, before, before the jujitsu thing, before he decided, uh, okay, I got to get into the jujitsu thing is he, he, um, he, this is when Frank Dukes and Bloodsport and all that shit, oh, man, that, the Kumite that. shit was big, Yo. you know, the Kumite. So what he did in Oregon is he had one of his, his students drive him out to the middle of the woods in Oregon and drop him off and he told the student goes look at i'm invited to a secret kumite i can't tell you where it's at you just drop me off here and come back and get me tomorrow and he had this big he had a backpack and a big long thing in like a big long backpack he and the student um i know the student he's the one who told me the story so he um no, no, no. He didn't. He didn't. It wasn't his student. He had he had uh, a newspaper uh, um, writer, um, someone who worked at the local newspaper uh, as a journalist. He told him, he goes, listen, I'm going to do um, a secret kumite. Can't tell nobody about it, but drop me off. So he dropped him off and then he picked him up the next day in the middle of the woods. And the guy was in the Marines. He was in the service, so he knew how to camp and shit. Yeah. <laughs> So the guy came back and picked him up and he didn't have that long ass um, package or, uh, or I don't know what it was, like a, like a long bag, like a long duffel bag. He didn't have that anymore, but he had a trophy. Yeah. And he, when he got picked up, he goes, I won the Kumite, I won the Kumite. And this newspaper writer was like, oh shit. So what he did is he tricked the newspaper writer uh, into writing a story about him going out to try to legitimize it i got yes. you. Yeah, that's ridiculous. so he puts that newspaper up in his dojo and he won the secret kumite in the middle of the, the forest in oregon yeah of course because that's where i would hold my kumite you know yeah yeah <laughs> so it worked it worked he had the newspaper write a story about it it right? happens often though there's a yeah. lot of guys who go out of their way to get as many testimonials as they can from people. So that way they can kind of legitimize what they do. I can get a, I can get a testimonial tomorrow uh, from somebody saying that I was their lawyer and I helped them win a million dollars in a settlement that don't make the shit. So, you know, like just cause someone says something doesn't make it true, but um, I just got, they just gave me my five minutes. The guys over at operation smile were like, Hey man, like we kind of need to, to film, but um, I do have a fight story for you as well. Um, okay. So, so you were sharing, you were sharing fight stories and it just brought me back to this like house party that I was at. Right. So it was like a few years back, a friend of mine's turning 30. We had been friends since like middle school. So, and all my group of friends, we've known each other for about 20 years, all grew up together, just tight circle. Don't really branch out too much. So it's my friend's birthday and she brings her sister. Well, her sister comes and she brings all these dudes that are like fresh 20, 21 year olds, right. Just learning how to drink alcohol. And me and all of my group of friends are outside by a bonfire. We're just sharing stories about how we met each other. And one of the stories popped up about a, how I met a friend of mine named Zach. And there was this chick I was into way back in the day. She stuck, she stuck around the, uh, the group, friend group. And she was like, hey, I want, you to, I want to introduce you to my new boyfriend. And me and my friend were like, oh, well, we're going to fuck with this guy. Like, we're going to mess with him. So we figured like every time he would say something like in common usage, like we or I or us, we would just pinch his nipple. So like the first time we ever met this dude, 
he keeps saying things like I repeatedly. And every time he do, we would just randomly pinch his nipple. We didn't tell him we were going to do this. We just did it because we wanted to fuck with him. And so, but like he was, he would just kind of fuck with us back. And so we just stopped. And then ever since then, he's been in our friend group for like 18 years. So I'm telling that story by this bonfire with all of our homies around. And one of those fresh 21 year olds who's been drinking a little bit walks right up to me and says, Hey man, what are y'all guys talking about? So I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. So I just pinched his nipple. Never met this dude in my life. I, I, it was just too good not to do it. it. The timing was perfect. What are you guys talking about? Gave him a little nipple tweak and he got so fucking mad. He goes, don't you put your fucking hands on me. And he goes away. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I, I didn't know it was going to be like that. So like I go inside and I'm like, hey dude, like, I'm sorry. I, I told him a little bit about why I did it. He laughed a little bit and I thought we were cool. So flash forward, maybe an hour or two later in the party, hanging out with another friend of mine. We're shooting the shit. And the kid walks up and he goes, hey man, high five. And I was like, all right, cool, man. High five. I high fived him. And he got real serious. He goes, now you got to drop your pants. For all your 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu merchandise, please visit 10thplanetjj.com slash shop. We also got to look into a t-shirt that just dropped. Thank you very much for your support. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why? He goes, well, we're playing this game where anybody who accepts a high five has to drop their pants. And I was like, I wasn't playing that game. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep my pants on. And he was like, no, you're going to do it. And he's like getting like really aggressive. I was like, all right, dude, if it will appease you, I'll drop my pants. But I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to change the rules here. If I drop my pants, I'm dropping my pants and my underwear. And I'm going to rub my ass cheeks on your leg. And he's wearing shorts. And I was like, so do I still have to do it? He goes, you're not going to do that. And you still do. And I'm like, not intimidated. I was like, all right, fuck it. So I just dropped trout and I just rubbed my ass cheeks on his fucking leg, bare ass cheeks up and down his goddamn leg. Now, needless to say, he was upset. <laughs> so like, But he let you do that? I mean, he stood there and like, I guess he was in like some form of shock. He didn't fucking move. So, and I mean, it's, it's humid, it's Florida. So it's like a little, little humidity going on, a little swamp ass, just to give you a little texture for the conversation. And so like he gets mad. I can see him clenching his fists and I go, are you good? And he just storms away. Night goes on, night progresses. We're playing beer pong, right? He's on an opposing team playing beer pong and he's joking and everything seemed to be good. I was like, all right, cool. It's time for me to leave. I'm going to go home. I'm saying goodbye to everybody. High five this person, hug this person. And I get over to that guy and I thought we were cool again. And his back was turned to me. So I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, hey man, you have a good night. And by the time I got that out of my mouth, he goes, you motherfucker. And he pulls his hand back, clenched fist, like he's going to turn around and punch me in the face. But like, I'm behind him. <laughs> so like, no. So I put him in a rear naked choke and I put him to sleep. And so I didn't like do probably the right thing because I just let his limp body fall forward and he just eats grass. Bam! I was like, oh shit. I was like, I probably should have eased him down or something. I fucked that up. So like, but then I hear one of his friends like in the corner go, oh my God, you choked out Steve or whatever the fuck his name was. And so I look over and I'm like, uh-oh, there's like a lot of them and I, I'm here with my homies and everything, but I go and kick off my sandals and back up and they like run over to his body and they're like looking at me, looking at him, looking at me, looking at him. And then they wake him up and then they're like, dude, man, you tried to hit that guy and he put you to sleep. And the guy's like, I did. And he's all fucked up. He goes, he tries to walk over and he's like, dude, I am so sorry. I'm like, no, nah, dude, you can apologize from over there. We're good. You don't have to come over. I can hear you. Like, I don't want you to steal me, you know, like I didn't want to get snuck. So I was like, we're, we're good. It's cool. 
So the chick I was with at the time was so goddamn mad at me because of that. Cause she didn't see any of that buildup. All she saw was me choking. She didn't see you rubbing his ass or rubbing your ass on his leg. She didn't see none of that. None of that. Yeah. She may so have like, left you after that. <laughs> well, she, what she did make me do was she made me call everyone at the party and apologize. <laughs> so it's like, and I didn't, I was like, I don't feel sorry. She's like, just do it. And I was like, fuck. It's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know I'm sorry for choking out the guy. And, and then, like, I was, like, having to go through, like, 15 different phone numbers that night. And it was, like, I got to one of the phone numbers and, like, a whole bunch of those people were just hanging out at a Denny's. And they were, I was, like, just pass the phone over. And so, like, and, like, they're all at a Denny's. I'm just apologizing to them. But, yeah, I actually had to use some jujitsu, which is a very common misconception that jujitsu is only for the ground. Standing rear naked choke is the jam. Works like a charm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, did you say you had to go? Yeah, man. They're the operation. Can, can, can they give you five more minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can do five I more. Wanted to finish, I wanted to tell you the rest of my story with Ralph. Absolutely. The guy, the guy who won the Kumite in Oregon. I got to know. Okay, so this that was just the backstory. So then this guy does, he does ADCC, the first one in a gi go comes in as a judo guy then real quick he starts he he comes up with the plan and uh, now he's half brazilian his dad is a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and his dad he's old school he's old school so he comes up with the story that he's brazilian now he's half brazilian and he starts he made some connections smooth talker dude was on 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 uh, amphetamines all the time the dude just couldn't stop talking and he couldn't stop writing either so what he did is he got in with um back then adcc had a website and it was really like the only website that there wasn't that the, the internet was new and there wasn't many websites on mma and jujitsu so right away while he was out there and got you know he got beat in the first round he made connections and became a writer for that website he talked his way into writing and the dude outwrote everybody he just wrote articles on everybody so he didn't get too greedy he didn't claim like he was a badass he didn't claim like he was a badass he was smart he goes dude i'm old school my dad he you know he knows all the you know carlson gracie the old guys we're old school all these new guys are so good i'm, I'm old school i'm old school you know uh we're we're, we're uh we're, you know because there was a lot of judo in brazil and there was a lot of judo black belts in brazil that that uh um crossed over to jujitsu yeah, some of them sense. crossed over to jujitsu and went full-blown jujitsu you know what i mean it just jumped on that gravy train you know they're like damn jujitsu's blowing up the ufc's so, blowing jujitsu up dude, you know what let's just call this judo jujitsu as a writer so he was using the writing thing as a way to say hey i'm legit but you don't really know about me because I, I did it back in the day old school yeah, yeah yeah he's old school so but then he became the most prolific writer in mma he really did yeah. everybody was like damn this guy and he knew how to get in with everybody he was writing articles on me so like i was a commentator for king of the cage so he would always like like say good things about my commentary which it sucked but he was saying good stuff and so you had you you were forced to be nice to him so i was nice yeah. to him and he was always writing for king of the cage he was always at the shows he started he talked his way into writing again he was 
he outrode everybody and there wasn't that much competition, but he just outrode everybody. So he got in with pride. So he was a writer for pride. They loved it because he, he just had, he was just fucking on drugs all the time and he just had material and he had articles and he just fucking outrode everybody. And he, he had a little power. He, he, he got to a point where if he wrote good shit about you, people in the industry knew about you because he wrote good shit about you. Yeah. So everybody was nice to him. You know, he didn't make crazy claims or anything. Um, no, no one had any idea that he, he was a complete uh, uh, BJJ black belt fraud. He was complete, but nobody really questioned it. And because um, they didn't really see shit, you know? And um, and then, uh, man, he ended up, you know, he was a fraud in jujitsu, yeah. but he ended up murdering somebody with a rear naked choke what yeah that's wild went to jail and everything man Jesus. almost got away with it almost got away with it man uh, he, he murdered his um his side chick's husband god damn yeah. i mean so, he got convicted he got convicted for it that is and wild. uh so the, the crazy thing that about is him cool. is he was a fraud in jujitsu but he used jujitsu to murder somebody. He murdered somebody with a rear naked choke. He used a legitimate technique in jujitsu, even though he was a fraud himself. And then, of course, he used it for, I mean, I guess he just held that damn thing for too long or he allowed the, the person to fall, hit the back of their head. It could be a, a ton of things. That story is crazy, man. That is wild. And that's a long arc. That's over years that he got away with just being this fraud. And then he, I guess, that's, you know what that is? That's karma. Karma got him. At the end of the day, karma got him. It's kind of yeah. like, like OJ back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He fooled everybody. He fooled everybody. Thought he was legit. Everybody knew him. And this was back when MMA, before the Fertitas. Um, bought the UFC and, and blew it up again and, and thrust into the mainstream. Uh, it was, it was still underground. So it was like, you know, it was the wild west. It know? still is. It still is the wild west. There's still no regulating body. There's still no standards and practices. Anybody can still open a gym. I, I guess the only difference is there's just more source material for people to look into, but still like if I, if people ask me all the time, they go, well, what, what should I look for for a good martial arts studio? And there are so many knee-jerk reactions and so many like cliche answers that are just dumb as fuck. Like people like, what's the best martial art for me to put my kid into? Um, and the question for the answer I always give is what does your kid like to do? Yeah. Like, it's not about you. It's not about your ego. It's not about what you want. What does the kid want? And on average, statistically, yeah. Most martial artists, whether they're a kid or whether they're an adult, statistically will drop out at about a year. So most people, no matter how old they are, will drop out at about a year. And we have those numbers because of companies like Rainmaker, Perfect Mind, Mind Body, and all these martial arts software companies that have kept track of this. So we know that your kid, whether they're three, whether they're 15, is going to probably drop out at about a year, no matter what martial art they do. So the real question parents should be asking themselves is, what am I going to try to accomplish in a year of training and whatever I'm doing with my kid? Then the tr really truth is, let's say your kid loves Taekwondo. That's the thing they really want to do. Put them in Taekwondo. Give them a legitimate love for martial arts. And once they have that love for martial arts, then they're in. It's, they, that's what they do. Then you can say, well, you know, jujitsu is something you could try. Would you like to try that? And chances are good. Maybe they'll love that too. 
But if you put them in some shit they fucking hated, they're not going to want to do the other thing either because it's all clumped into the same category of martial arts. You could literally, I think we could change the industry completely if we changed the consumer's mindset and we changed the coach's mindset. The moment we do that, I think that the average person will probably stick with martial arts a lot longer. What you just said was what exactly what I was getting ready to say myself. It's about my son. I have a 10 year old son. And in the beginning, you know, when he was like three or four, we were, he was passing the guard. We were doing these jujitsu drills all the time. I was getting him into jujitsu. And then he got to the point where my son wants to call the shots. He wants to choose everything. So he didn't want to do jujitsu. He wanted to do karate. Yeah. So he changed on me and I didn't want to battle him. I didn't want to battle him. I just, like you said, like, like, uh, you just, as long as he, lo- he, he's in love with the martial arts, it doesn't matter what he does initially, as long as he's in. And that's exactly what I'm thinking. What you said, it's exactly, it's like, he's been doing karate since he was four or five now. And he's 10. He's been doing karate for a long time. He fucking loves it. He loves baseball more than anything. And that's my, I hate baseball. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't like baseball at all. Dude. I'm a football guy. I, I love football. And I, and I know it's a distraction. Sports are distraction, circus, emperor circus, but I watch football for the distraction because yeah, well, I think we all need a distraction from time to yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, if you're distracted and you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world, that's bad. But I pay attention uh, well, just as much as anybody. I know what's going on, but I, I need some distraction because I'm paying too much attention. So, but he's into baseball. Uh, he, I, I got him into football. I got him into jujitsu, and then he decided he wanted to do his own thing. He, he is his own man. Yeah. So he's all into karate. He's all into baseball, and I support him. 100 percent but when he's about 13 or 14 i'm gonna pay some wrestler kid 20 bucks to take him down in front of his girlfriend and humiliate him here's some reality so he can, so he can come to daddy and say daddy can you show me that jiu-jitsu <laughs> i'm gonna i haven't given up on him yet but as long as he's into the martial arts he loves going in he loves sparring he loves throwing down he loves a push kick sidekick so and even even if he never got into jiu-jitsu i couldn't bring him back let's just say and he just as long as he he's he loves martial arts as long as he's striking. If my son grew up to be this prolific striker, I'd be happy. I'm like, Dad, he's not in the jujitsu, but damn, he's got great wheel kick. He's got that front push kick since he was four. You know, I, I would be proud of him, you know, either way. Well, I think that's a great thing that you're allowing him to make a little bit of his own decisions with that kind of stuff. Because again, you could have just shoved it down his throat and then he doesn't want to do it ever. So that's yes, all. Exactly. They, yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're getting at me though for the, for the time, but. All right, Rob. I'm so, so sorry. I got to go too. I would, I would just keep talking about martial arts and for like hours. I we'll wish do I this again, talk. Matt. We'll do a part two. For I'd sure. love to, man. I got, well, <laughs> I just, we just scratched on a few videos. I got stacks of these things. So. I'd love Let's to. Let's do it. We'll do part two sometime soon. I appreciate you. Rob, thank you, man. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir, brother. Thank you. See ya. Oh! Rob here with McDojo Life, and the man you just got done watching throw people around with his magical voodoo chi powers goes by the name of Khalid Jamudi. Is it Khalid or Khalid? Khalid or Khalid? 
Callisum, say Callisum, say Khalid. Oh, cool. So it's more like a preference. Well, either way, is it cool if I still roast this fraud? Go hard. Thanks, DJ Khaled. For the sake of this video, though, I'm just gonna go ahead and call him Sifu Jamudi. I don't want to go tarnishing DJ Khaled's good name. According to his Facebook profile, Sifu Jamudi teaches Aikido, Kototama, he also teaches Qigong, and Inochi therapy. But there's one more thing that he left off that list that he clearly teaches, but I can't remember the name of it. What was the name? Bullshit. Oh yeah, that's the one. But wait, there's more. Master Khalid was born in 1971 in Marrakesh. He was taught Kotetama, Qigong, Chakra Yoga, Aikido, and Kyoshu. You remember Kyoshu, right? There isn't any organ in the body that we can't turn off. Ding! We can numb an arm, we can bend the legs, we can cause a person to go to sleep. We can cause lungs to collapse, hearts to stop, kidneys to stop functioning. That's right, that Kyoshu. He was fortunate to have teachers who received their teaching directly from the source. Note this man did not list a single teacher's name or school in which he learned any martial art whatsoever. He's just like, yeah, I learned from the best, <laughs> you know, them, whoever they are that I'm making up because he clearly didn't. But we continue. He started Aikido at a very young age, 13 years old, and was able to draw all the secrets of this discipline to become today an Elkidoka with verified aptitudes. Just so you know, Elkidoka is a completely made up word. <laughs> it is nonsensical. It does not exist in the Japanese language that I can tell. It is not listed on any Aikido directories as any type of word that's even used in Aikido or referencing Aikido. No hierarchy, no, no rank, no lineage, none of that shit. And so I went and got two other sources and I looked into that after looking through a ton of Google images, searches and websites and all that good stuff. Found nothing. This man completely made up a word, rank or hierarchy, whatever it is just to make himself sound good. And I guess he just thought no one was gonna look into it. It's just nonsense. But we continue. He is today a recognized Akidoka with tested powers and skills. Don't worry, we're gonna show those powers and skills here in one moment. At the source of Aikido, there is Kotetama, an art form which Master Khalid was able to discover Inochi therapy and create his own art Akishindo. Go figure, another fraudulent martial arts instructor who clearly just made up nonsense and slapped it together and called it his own art. But what exactly is he teaching people in his made up mystical art? Let's check it out. <laughs> Ah, 
that's right. He hit a dude, threw a dude, while still hitting the original dude. But in this next clip, he hits a dude, threw a dude, without even touching the original dude. being attacked by dudes but you don't want to hit the dude so you just wave your hand and then you make the dude fly away from you Lazarus say about this? I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Maybe I should rephrase that. What would Kirk Lazarus say to that dude? You dudes don't know what dude he is. Somehow sounds accurate. Now let's watch him hit a dude through a pole. <laughs> what about his ground game though? How good's his guard retention? point in the video you're probably thinking to yourself there is absolutely no way that these people could be serious neither him nor the people in the videos could possibly believe that any of this is real unfortunately they believe it as a matter of fact and ironically enough he's actually hosting a four-day retreat right now and it started today and it's going on for the next three days i've known i was going to do a video about this guy for a couple weeks now and i've just been gathering and doing some research and ironically enough it just happened to fall on today that the retreat started and for the low price starting at just 580 bucks you too can learn that magical chi nonsense that we've learned to grow and love people who are just putting videos online for fun don't host seminars teaching it. So yes, this is a real cult leader. This is a real cult. And yes, you yourself could attend if you felt so inclined to do so. As a matter of fact, he even left his personal information up on his Instagram page and you yourself could clearly just call this man and set up a class. Now it's time to rank this man. The guy clearly lied about his resume, gave absolutely no sources as to which and where he learned any of the things that he learned from. He clearly seems to think that he can knock people out and manipulate them with his magical chi voodoo powers, and he dropped 
the dirty word that is horrible to hear around here, that Kyoshu word, and he believes in nonsensical things like reviving people by slapping them on the back of the neck and crossing their legs. This man's getting five out of five Dillmans. I'm gonna add to this as well. It said in his bio that his powers and skills were tested. Well, I'd like to take a stab at that. I would love to meet this gentleman. I'd love to set up a seminar. I'd love to go there and film and see just what type of superpowers he really has. So anybody out there happens to know the man, send him this way. I'm sure he'll see this video and I would be more than happy to try to see if I can get Voodoo Chi powered across a room. But that brings us to the question of the day. Have you or someone you know ever been involved in a cult or have been taken advantage of by a con artist? If so, let us know in the comment sections below before you leave your comment about what you think about this video. Make sure to answer the question of the day so that way I know you watch the entire video. As always, thank you all for the likes, comments, shares, subscriptions, and yes, especially memberships. I appreciate you. Keep the martial arts legit. The Jiu-Jitsu Dojo is the ultimate training ground for life. Jiu-Jitsu will accelerate the evolution of your being, your consciousness, your soul. Through this amazing art, you will prove to yourself that you can master anything you set your mind to. Bravo. I leave for Brazil tomorrow. Are you the fear factor guy? I'm uh, like six pounds over. Time to sweat it out. Just imagine someone that has no idea how different your game is. I'll tell you what this weekend was, man. It was a culmination point where all your hard work comes to like one great moment in time. You showed that you're a fucking champion. Guy who goes against convention. You created your own shit and figured interesting ways to get around problems in jujitsu. And shows you that great things are possible if you work hard, if you dedicate yourself and you use your creativity and you push through. Your own human potential just goes up. My 10th Planet Association has grown rapidly to over 70 academies worldwide, and their curriculums are all synced to 10th Planet headquarters located in downtown Los Angeles. I'm Eddie Bravo. I hope to see you on the mats. You can tell it's real because it looks so fake.